0: The first reading is Psalm 31, and it can be found, as Phil said, on page 559. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad. And rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery for I hear many whispering terror on every side they conspire against me and plot to take my life the second reading comes from Luke chapter 23 and starts at verse 26 and it can be found on page 1060 as the soldiers led him away They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. (laughs) A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things.
1: Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this Good Friday, an opportunity to think, to process what the Lord Jesus was doing those 2,000 years ago. Please, would you speak to each one of us as we look into your word? Would you show us Jesus and what he has done for us? And we ask that in his precious name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23, uh, which is there in the Bible's page 1060. Also, some of the verses will come up on the screen as well. Um, I remember a few years ago, A lady uh, said to me, I just don't understand why Christians call Good Friday good. It just doesn't make sense. After all, isn't that when Jesus Christ died on the cross? How can that be good? How can you call it Good Friday? I've been looking back and thinking, wow, what a great question that is. Why, why is it a good day today? Why is it Good Friday? Well, perhaps you're here this morning and you're asking that same question. Why? What is it about today that makes it good? Why should we call it Good Friday? Well, we're going to try and answer that question this morning from, from God's word. If we want to understand why Good Friday can be called good, actually, we've got to go to the cross, haven't we? The cross is central to understanding what Good Friday is all about. Now perhaps you might have seen this picture this week inside Notre Dame Cathedral. Nearly all of it gutted by the fire, all, all this stuff destroyed, except for one thing that shines out in the darkness. It's the cross. On Good Friday, the cross shines out because through jesus's death on the cross we can be forgiven that's why it is good friday now for a long time with me this was something that i couldn't really get my head around it took me quite a long time to to begin to understand what this means how being forgiven and and the cross how those things are connected but it's my prayer that, that wherever you are at today, you will see this for yourself. Maybe for the first time. How Good Friday means that you personally can know God's forgiveness. We're thinking about forgiveness then. And we're going to ask three questions. How we can be forgiven? Why we need to be forgiven? And what does this forgiveness actually mean for us? But firstly, we're going to think about how can we be forgiven and the bible tells us that we can be forgiven by god through jesus's suffering have a look at verses 33 to 34 when they came to the place called the skull they crucified him there along with the criminals one on his right the other on his left jesus said father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing The Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world to rescue us. Now, the people in Jesus' time were expecting to be rescued, but in a slightly different way. or Actually, in a very different way. At Jesus' time, the country he was living in was ruled by the Romans. And God's people were expecting to be rescued from them. But what God had in plan was far greater than just liberation from an occupying army. What God had planned through his rescuer was freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom even from death. But when we join Luke here in this passage, at this point Jesus has been rejected by those religious leaders whose job it was to look for God's rescuer. They had conspired to capture him and then to have him executed. But this was all part of God's plan. This was how God was going to rescue us. By Jesus dying, as the Bible says, as our ransom. And what is a ransom? It is a price paid to set you free. That's what Jesus' suffering would bring about. A price paid to set us free from shame, from guilt, and ultimately death. But look at how much he is willing to suffer in that passage there. And look how he responds. He is even praying for those people who are beating and mocking him and leading him away to be killed. He is praying for their forgiveness. What an awesome rescuer. Such love that Jesus is showing. And we're told, just simply, they crucified him. Now, we, we can't, I don't think, begin to grasp the amount of pain that Jesus went through as he was crucified. There's perhaps different types of pain that he might experience. Of course, the physical pain of crucifixion. It was a, it was an agonizing, slow, horrible death. Nails through your hands or or through your wrists to hold you in place. And it was basically a slow process where you would suffocate. As you, as you hung there, your diaphragm would push up onto your lungs and you'd pull yourself up to be able to breathe until you didn't have the energy to do that anymore. And you would slowly and agonizingly die. It was the physical pain that Jesus experienced. But there was also the emotional pain, wasn't there? We, we look through those verses and we see about the mockery. The people who should have welcomed and accepted Jesus are rejecting him and mocking him. You saved others. Why can't you save yourself? Some king you are. There was emotional pain. But also the Bible gives us a glimpse into Jesus' spiritual pain as well. Jesus is experiencing the the spiritual pain of paying the price for all our sin. Why? Why is a good question to ask that. Why did Jesus have to go through all of this suffering so that we can be forgiven? Well, the Bible says clearly that this was the way, the only way that God could save us. We're remembering last night's in our Maundy Thursday service, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus had cried out to God, if there is another way, make it so. But there isn't. This is the only way, the perfect rescuer dying in our place. No one apart from God is able to deal with the weight of all of our sin, And he is the only one who is sinless. We've already sung this today, but but alluded to this, this verse in 2 Corinthians 5. Where it says that God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. To be treated at the cross as if he was our sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the greatest swap In human history. Because Jesus chose not to save himself. So that he could save us. So we see in verse 35. The people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah. The chosen one. He could have done. He could have saved himself. But that was not his purpose, was it? He came to die to be a ransom. He chose not to save himself so that he could save us. That's why Good Friday is good, because it tells us how we can be forgiven. But it also tells us why we need to be forgiven as well. Because without God's forgiveness... We will have to pay the price for ourselves. That's so what that passage just at the beginning alludes to. We don't have time to go into it now. But, but look at the reactions of, of the two criminals who are crucified either side of Jesus. We see verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. That criminal gets it. He understands that what he is experiencing as he is being punished is actually a direct result of what he has done. Now, the Bible just tells us that they were criminals, but to be crucified, you have to be a pretty bad criminal, whether you've you've murdered or or been involved in some rebellion. But actually, it's not just criminals who face justice, but all of us will, because God is a just God, and he cares about how we live our lives. All of us, when we die, when Jesus returns, whichever is first, We'll have to give an account to God of how we have lived our lives. And if you're wondering what that account might be based on, well, Jesus makes it pretty clear. It boils down to to two things. You can summarize it with just two things. One, have you loved God with all your heart? And two, have you loved your neighbor as yourself? As in sacrificially, sacrificially love them perfectly. As you should. None of us in all honesty can, will be able to stand on that day and say, yes, I've done those things perfectly. Because we haven't. We haven't done those things perfectly today, have we? And because of that, we all face the fearful future of something dreadful. Not being remembered by God. Now the Bible says there is a difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. There is a difference. You can know about someone, can't you? You can know how tall they are, what they like, but that's different to actually personally knowing someone. Look at me, look with me at what one of the criminals says in verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. It's quite remarkable what this criminal is doing, isn't it? Despite the fact that all of the crowds around him are mocking Jesus. He's saying, hang on a minute. He goes to Jesus directly. He sees something in Jesus. And he says, Jesus, remember me. When this is all done. Please don't forget about me. It's a simple request, isn't it? But it goes against the grain of what everyone else is saying. But Jesus' promise is much more than just remembering this criminal. Verse 43. Oops, sorry, I haven't got it on the screen. Verse 43. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a lot more than just remembering someone. But it's because he remembers, will remember him that he will be in paradise with Jesus. That is the promise of today in heaven with God. And this is why Good Friday is good, because it shows that we can be forgiven purely by God's grace. What has the criminal done to turn his life around as he is hanging on a cross? He can't do anything, can he? All he can do is is cry out to God saying, Remember me. Have mercy on me. And that's enough. Jesus says, you will be in heaven with me today. Purely out of God's mercy and grace. You see, this criminal, he sees his need for forgiveness. We should be like this. We should see whether we're a criminal or not. We should see that all of us have a need for forgiveness that only Jesus can solve. All we have to do is ask. And he will give it to us. And this forgiveness is wonderful. And The Bible tells us what this forgiveness means for us today. The first thing it means is that we experience freedom from judgment. Have a look. Verse 44 to 45. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining. Three whole hours of pitch black darkness during the middle of the day. A sign of God's judgment, not on us, but on Jesus in our place as he dies on the cross. And even creation, even the sun and the land realize that something incredible is happening. They respond to it as the Son of God dies to set us free, to forgive us. Because we can be forgiven, we can experience freedom from judgement on that day. But also it means that we now can have access to God. We can have access to God. Have a look at that next bit in verse 45. And it says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, now the curtain in the temple was this thing that acted like a barrier to stop people going into the place where God symbolically was. And the curtain had been a fixture in the temple for, for about a thousand years. It was a, it was a big part of the Jewish people's history, the place where God's people worshipped. But this curtain showed that there was a barrier between us and God that on our own we couldn't break. On one side in the Holy of Holies, God's presence symbolically was there behind the curtain. And on the other side was us. But what does it say when Jesus died? It says, when Jesus died, this division is removed. The curtain in the temple separating us from God is ripped in two. From top to bottom, there is now no division between us and God. No more need for the temple. No more need for altars or priests or sacrifices. The old way has finished. Those things are finished. And we now, through God's forgiveness, have access to him forever. That's why it is called Good Friday. Everything necessary for our forgiveness is now finished. Verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed. His last. The other gospels tell us that Jesus cried out. It is finished. It is done. It is paid. Everything necessary for our forgiveness is sorted. We can be forgiven. We can come to God. It's Good Friday because Jesus doesn't just die as a martyr. Lots of martyrs have died in history. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. Jesus didn't just die as an example Lots of good examples have died in history. Jesus wasn't just a good example. But Jesus died as the one and only confident and victorious rescuer. Savior. All of his suffering that he experienced is now at an end. It is finished. How satisfying it is when a job is finally finished. We don't really experience that much. There's, in our work, there's, almost, there's always the next thing. But Jesus can truly say it is finished. It was finished at the cross. As Jesus died, he confidently gave his life into the hands of his father. Who three days later will turn back death itself. And he quotes Psalm 31 that that Steve read earlier. Verse 5, into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. Which was actually a bedtime prayer used by Jewish children before they went to sleep. Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Son of God prays to his Father. So that we can be forgiven. But the question really comes down to what are you going to do with this forgiveness? What are you going to do with this forgiveness this Good Friday? I wonder, do you see the lengths that Jesus went through? to forgive you, the suffering he experienced. I wonder, do you see and feel your need for forgiveness this Good Friday? I wonder, are you willing to ask for that forgiveness today? Well, perhaps you are, and in which case I would like just to lead us in a short prayer that perhaps you might like to echo in your heart to ask Jesus for forgiveness. So let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus died in my place for my sin. Please help me to turn to you today and forgive me of all the wrong I have done. Amen.